Good morning. Man, it is so, it is such a joy to, uh, to have our kids with us this morning. Kids, where are y'all at? All right. There are a couple of you in here. <laughs> Hey, it, uh, so especially I think for, for folks who are, who are new to Redemption Story, if you've come uh, really since we kind of re- returned from the pandemic, you may have been a part of something like this. But uh, just even before the pandemic, we would do what we called Family Worship Weekend, which is this right here. We would bring the kids in to worship with us, and we would uh, have kind of some of the different elements that we use across the breezeway in training and in discipling them. Uh, and that would be a big part of our service. And then during the pandemic, when we kind of had to have everybody in here, we did that for a longer period of time. And so some of you have probably seen this before, but here's what we really hope to do with this. Uh, number one, we really hope to kind of show you uh, how we attempt to disciple and train your kids over there. And in doing so, help teach you how to have certain conversations, how to talk about different big biblical themes and ideas. Um, and even more than that, we want you to see that when we are talking to our children, we don't have to dumb down the big, important things of Scripture. We just need to speak clearly and consistently about these things in order to help our children understand. And so one of the most encouraging things this morning is that as I prepared for this sermon, uh, I was reminded by uh, Charity and by Stephanie about the things that we teach them over there and how much of what I'm going to be teaching this morning from Matthew chapter 28 is a part of what, we, what our children have already been hearing and been coming to understand. So I'm going to read the Great Commission for us in whole again. Uh, this morning, we're really just going to focus on the first parts of Jesus's words where he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, but I want to read uh, the entire three verses for us real quick. So this is Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 18. It says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. God, thank you so much for your word. And thank you, Lord, for the authority of Jesus Christ, that he is establishing his kingdom. And that in all of that, Lord, there will be peace and joy among your people. And so, God, we pray uh, for the preaching of your word this morning, that you would speak to us, that your Holy Spirit would move, that your Holy Spirit would convict hearts of sin and show the beauty and goodness of Christ Jesus in all these things. We love you, and it's in Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. I wonder, brothers and sisters, if you have ever asked the question, what is God doing in the world? Is that something that you've ever thought about? Is it something that you've ever considered? As you see all of the brokenness and destruction and all of the mayhem that exists out there, have you ever asked the question, what is God doing about these things? I think for kids, as y'all kind of uh, see all of these things, at, at times what, from what feels like a distance, as your parents are struggling with different things, or as you hear about things like war and disease and sadness, what is it that you think about? Uh, or, or have you asked the question, what is God doing in the world? 
Uh, I think about this especially right now with uh, what's going on in Afghanistan, um, with what is going on with the coronavirus, with what is going on uh, all over the country and all over the world and all of the destruction and sadness that have happened. What is God doing about these things? Well, brothers and sisters, what we have in the Great Commission is we have what God is doing about all of the suffering and the destruction that we have in the world. And I want to clarify that, that this is what God is doing. God is saving a people for himself. He is setting up his kingdom. He is the one who is doing this in response to the brokenness of the world. Kids, over in Story Kids, we hear about how uh, human beings have sick hearts, that our hearts are sick with sin, uh, that in our hearts is brokenness and wickedness because of our sin. And what our sin does is our sin has uh, destroyed the world. That all of the anger, all of the fighting, all of the brokenness that we see is a part of our sick sins, our sick hearts uh, as we walk and move through life. And so when we're saying that the Great Commission is what God is doing, we are saying that this is what Jesus Christ has done and is doing to save us from our sin. So I have kind of like a big idea uh, for you adults for our Great Commission series, and I'm going to ask that they put that up on the screen real quick. And it's long and it's wordy, and I get that. Uh, but I'm going to summarize it here for you in just a second, and I really want you to strive to really attempt to get what this is saying. Here's our big idea for the Great Commission series. It's that God is bringing everything under the lordship of Jesus Christ and moving all creation through the cross to the new creation where his presence will dwell forever, and you get to be a part of it. Now, here's the thing. That's a long, uh, that's a long thing to say, but I'm going to show you the shorter big idea right now, and it's just simply this. Jesus is setting up his kingdom. Kids, can you guys say this with me? Jesus is setting up his kingdom. Y'all ready? One, two, three. Jesus is setting up his kingdom. All right, so that is the main idea for the kids. But adults, here's the thing. I think by the end of this, some of your kids will be able to grasp the bigger idea, right? So you need to strive to understand the bigger idea of this. Because we can say things like Jesus is setting up his kingdom and that's beautiful and that's good. But we need to understand the totality of what that means. That it is so good and so rich in meaning and value. So Jesus is setting up his kingdom. Here's the thing, I just have two points for us this morning. It's simply this. It's, first of all, that the Great Commission is what God is doing. And second, that it is about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Great Commission is about what God is doing. And it is about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, here's a good thing. I've already covered point number one. So now we're just rolling into point number two. Is that exciting or what? The Great Commission is about the Lordship of of Jesus Christ. Now here's the thing, when we say the word lordship, what we are saying is that Jesus is king. Uh, kids, say that with me. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. He is Lord. He is the one who is in charge. He is the one who has 
all authority. Now, kids, when we talk about authority over in Story Kids, we say that authority is the right to be in charge. And so when you think about authority, you think about parents, you think about teachers, you think about people in government or generals in an army. That is what authority is. And so when we're saying that Jesus has all authority, we are saying that Jesus is in charge of everything. We just sang about that a second ago, that God is in charge of everything. And Jesus, as the Son of God, as the second person of the Trinity, as God himself, is in charge of everything. And so the Great Commission begins with Jesus saying that all authority, and I love that they, that they do that in our memory verse, all authority. And the fact that that shows up so many times in the Great Commission, this word all, Jesus, is in charge of everything. He is the great king. Brothers and sisters, you will remember something that I say often in here, which is that Christ's lordship means that there's not one square inch over all of creation over which Jesus does not say mine. That's not my saying. Someone far wiser than me said that, but I want us to remember that always, that Jesus has called everything his. Now, We need to understand that when we're saying that Jesus has all authority and when we're saying that Jesus is king, is we are saying that Jesus is setting up his kingdom. He is establishing his kingdom. He is setting it up all over the world. Now, the good news of that is that when Christ's kingdom is fully set up, the experience of the people who are a part of his kingdom is peace. Um, now here's the beauty of this. When I'm talking about the great commission, we're going to be, uh, chopping it up into five kind of big statements. And I think for a lot of times for us who are so focused on preaching the Bible, we can think that by taking shorter things, we're going to try and add things into scripture. But brothers and sisters, what I want you to see as we go through the Great Commission is that all of this, all of these big ideas, all of these points are coming from uh, the Great Commission itself and from the book of Matthew as a whole. So here's the thing that we have already seen. If you were to read through the book of Matthew, you would have seen these things about Jesus already. And that when Jesus says that all authority has been given to me, he's building on this entire book so far and his entire life and ministry and what it means for him to have all authority. Now, in the book of Matthew, Jesus is called the son of God, the son of man, the son of David, and the son of Abraham. And when the Bible speaks to who Jesus' fathers were, if you will, it is saying something about who he is. When it says that he is the son of God, it is saying that he is God himself. He's the second person of the Trinity. When it says that he is the son of man, it is saying that he is the son of Adam. He is the true son who will defeat sin. He is the better Adam who will restore what Adam, Adam and Eve broke in creation. When it says that he is the son of Abraham, it is saying that he is the one who inherits the promises of God, that he is the one in whom all of God's promises to his people will be fulfilled. And when it says that he is the son of David, it is saying that he is the true king. He is the one who will be exalted to the throne. 
And so here in this passage of scripture, when it is saying that all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to Jesus, it is bringing in this rich understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what it means for him to be that king. As a matter of fact, you heard one of his titles or one of his names there, the Son of Man. In Daniel chapter 7, Daniel has this vision about the Son of Man, about this one like the Son of Man who comes upon the clouds with all authority, with all dominion and all power. And that is this Jesus. And then in Isaiah chapter 2, when it talks about the coming of the kingdom of God, it speaks about it in terms of all swords being uh, beaten into plowshares and all spears into pruning hooks and there being absolute peace all over the land. So the kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace. It's a kingdom of joy. And it's a kingdom of everlasting life in Christ Jesus. But here's the thing, uh, Matthew has already talked a lot about Christ's authority. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me back to Matthew chapter 8. Um, we're going to walk through uh, a little bit of uh, chapter 8 and chapter 9. Now here's the really good news, is that your kids have already heard stories. They've already had teaching about much of what we're going to be talking about right now. They actually have uh, a set of lessons about what I am about to share with you. They know uh, what Jesus Christ has authority over. But here's the good news. It's that in Matthew chapter 8 and 9, Matthew shows us what it looks like for Jesus Christ to have all, of all authority, and it is incredibly good. Now, just to give you a little bit of background about uh, where we're at in the book of Matthew right now, Jesus preaches his first sermon in Matthew chapter 4, and he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And after that, he preaches a longer sermon in Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7 called the Sermon on the Mount. And in that, he speaks about what the, what the kingdom of heaven looks like. He tells us what it means for us to be a part of that kingdom. And at the end of Matthew chapter 7, the people say this. It says, and when Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now, here's the thing. In chapter 8 and chapter 9, the word authority will be used over and over and over again. But it starts right here. And it starts with uh, the Bible saying that Jesus has authority in teaching. Jesus has authority in teaching. What we just saw in the Sermon on the Mount was that Jesus actually said, you have heard it said, but I say... Now, brothers and sisters, if you know anything about the Old Testament, and if you know what it meant to speak the words of God in the Old Testament, then you know that no one was able to add anything to the word of God. So when Jesus seems to double down on what the Old Testament is saying, he is speaking with authority as God. And so Jesus has authority in teaching. But then it goes on, and early on in Matthew chapter 8, we see that Jesus has authority over our physical health. And so in the first three stories that we see in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus does several different healings. The first thing that he does is he heals a leper. And the leper actually says to them, if you will, I know that you can heal me. And Jesus says, I will be healed. 
And so there's this picture of his authority, but it even goes further than that. In the next story, Jesus meets this centurion who would have been like a general in his day. And he asks Jesus to come and heal his paralyzed servant. And Jesus says, I will go with you. But then he says, you don't even have to go. Because I too am a man under authority and I know that when I speak, things happen. When I tell someone to go and do something, they do it. And so it explicitly says there, for I too am a man under authority in verse 9. And Jesus acknowledges his faith. He acknowledges that this man knows that Christ has all authority. And so Jesus has authority. Can we get these points put up on the screen for everybody? Jesus has authority in teaching. Jesus has authority over our physical health. And then the next thing that it shows us is that Jesus has authority over nature. You guys will remember this story that the disciples were uh, caught in a storm on the sea and things were, the storms were raging around them and it seemed like madness and mayhem. And the Bible says that Jesus stands up and he rebukes the storm and it stops. And here's what the the disciples say to that. They say uh, in verse 27, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him. What sort of man has this authority? What sort of man has this power that even the winds and the sea obey him? And then it goes even further to one of the most uh, incredible stories that we see here is that Jesus has authority over angels and demons. In the next story, Jesus shows up on the land and these two men who are filled with demons come to him. And the Bible says that they were so strong that no one could pass their way. They were so powerful that no one could overcome them. As a matter of fact, in a, very, in a parallel story in the book of Luke, it says that they were breaking chains that people would try to put on them. And the Bible says that when Jesus shows up, These men who are filled with demons rush to Jesus and begin pleading for their lives. And Jesus says one word to them, go, and they are sent. Jesus has authority over angels and over demons, over the spiritual realities that exist all around us. And then the next thing we see that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. In this story, in the beginning of Matthew chapter 9, this paralyzed man comes to Jesus and he asks to be healed. And Jesus says to him, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Now, when the people around Jesus hear this, particularly the scribes and the Pharisees, when they hear this, they say, Jesus is a liar. He can't possibly forgive sins. And they know that only God can forgive sins. And so they charge Jesus with blasphemy. They say, he can't possibly do this. But then Jesus says to them, so that you will know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, take up your bed and walk. So the point there is that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. Brothers and sisters, I want to just pause here for just a second and say that this is one of the most beautiful stories that we see right here in this section because this truly speaks to our deepest need. 
Brothers and sisters, I've already said that sin, our, 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 our uh, sick hearts are what has caused the brokenness in this world. And we can look around at all of the things that seem to be going wild, the, the horrific things of nature, like what happened in Haiti two weeks ago, the horrific things happening in governments and nations, like what is happening in Afghanistan right now. And we can look around at all of the brokenness as people are uh, continuing to get sick and die from so many different things, including the coronavirus. And yet, in all of these things, Jesus has the authority. And yet, all of that would mean nothing if Jesus wasn't able to fix our most deepest need, which is our broken, sinful, sick hearts by forgiving our sin. So here's the beauty of this. It's that Jesus Christ does have this authority. Jesus Christ has this authority, number one, because we were the ones who sinned against him. So only he can forgive, right? And then number two, he has that authority because in his death and in his resurrection, he has, he has satisfied the wrath of God for that sin that we might be forgiven. Brothers and sisters, what sin are you thinking about this morning when you hear about the forgiveness that Christ Jesus is able to offer you? That there is nothing because Christ has all authority that you cannot be forgiven for. That there is nothing that if you should go to Jesus Christ and ask for that forgiveness, that he would not grant to you. That even the worst sins of your sick heart, Jesus Christ can forgive because he is the only one who has that authority. And even more than that, we don't see that specifically in this passage of scripture, but we see also in the greater story of God that Jesus Christ has authority even over death, our final enemy. Because in John chapter 10, Jesus says, no one takes my life from me. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to raise it up again. And the good news of that, brothers and sisters, is that even our final enemy, Jesus Christ, has the authority over it. And so what does it look like for Jesus Christ to have all authority? It looks like goodness. It looks like peace. It looks like hope. It looks like joy. When Jesus Christ has all authority, that is the kingdom that we want to live in. That this is the picture of Jesus Christ's authority as we see it in the Gospel of Matthew, and in the sermon, or in the Great Commission. But I just have one question for us this morning, church. It's a question that each and every one of us have to ask as we see the Great Commission. It's a very simple question. Are we submitted to Christ's authority? Will we do what Christ tells us to do? Notice, brothers and sisters, that the demons obeyed Jesus Christ's one word. Even they were obedient to Jesus. Notice also that everything in all of creation responds at the word of Jesus because he has all authority. But brothers and sisters, will that be true of us as well? The very final story in Matthew chapter 9 is that Jesus looks out at all of the brokenness in the world and he says that they look like sheep without a shepherd. 
And he prays to the Lord of the harvest, asking that workers will be sent into the field. And here's the beauty of that, brothers and sisters. It's that in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus answers his very own prayer by sending his disciples with his authority. Brothers and sisters, are we submitted to Jesus Christ's authority? When Christ says, go, will we go? When he says, do, will we do? This is not primarily about what we are doing. This is not primarily about what human beings can do. This is about what Jesus Christ is doing. And the question for us is, are we submitted to his authority in that? Brothers and sisters, as we go through this uh, series in the Great Commission, we're going to be asking that question over and over and over and over and over again. When Jesus Christ says go, will you go? When Jesus Christ says for you, whatever he is calling you to, will you do it in submitting to his authority and his submission as king over your life? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for the faithfulness with which you have showed us your word, how you have spoken to us the beauty and goodness of Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the gift of the gospel. We thank you for the clarity of Christ's authority, that it is so good that Christ in authority means peace, that Christ in authority means joy, that Christ in authority means hope. And yet, God, we ask that you would call us to submission to Jesus Christ, that we would live out the gospel and that we would go and make disciples in full obedience to Christ's authority. May he do that in us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, it's at this time that we come to the Lord's table to take uh, communion together. So I would ask if you are helping serve the elements that you would come to the front and prepare to pass these out. Now, here's the thing, brothers and sisters, we have so many kids in here, and I know uh, that in many ways, this kind of creates problems uh, for you as parents as they're trying to figure out, hey, what is this? What's going on? And you might be tempted uh, to just kind of like ignore this, but I would encourage you in this moment to use this as a teaching opportunity for your kids, to tell them what the Lord's Supper means to those who believe in Jesus Christ. When we are over there in the other building, we talk about uh, those who are children of God as those who know, love, trust, and obey Jesus Christ.